2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and I have a huge show for you today. Uh, today's show is comprised of over 30 articles, and it might even be closer to 40. Now, we're not going to break down all 40 articles, but the information that you're going to get today is came from over 30 articles. I have 11 pages of notes to get to, so we're not gonna draw this out. Let's just go ahead and jump into the news. First up, Faraday Future has finally started production on the FF91. If you're not familiar with Faraday Future, back in 2016, it was basically Tesla and Faraday Future for EV startups. Faraday Future just had a really hard time getting things going And now it sounds like they're finally going to get a car out the other end of that production line. I saw the FF91 at CES, and it is a very long car. It kind of reminds me a little bit of a station wagon, to be honest, in terms of how long this vehicle is. But congratulations to Faraday Future, this has been a very long process, and I'm sure there's some people who have been there from the beginning or close to the beginning, so this probably means a lot to them, so that's really cool. The Fisker Ocean Extreme has an official range in Europe. The Extreme scored a WLTP range of 440 miles or 707 kilometers on a single charge. Now, don't expect this insane range to come with all Fisker Oceans. The Fisker Extreme is equipped with the Hyper Range battery pack. Fisker hasn't given any details as far as, you know, how big of a battery pack that actually is. But we do know that it's bigger than 80 kilowatt hours for that battery pack. And honestly, it's probably bigger than 100 kilowatt hours. Congrats to the Fisker Ocean team. That's really cool. LG Energy Solution is investing $5.5 billion in a new battery manufacturing complex in Queen Creek, Arizona, not too far down the road from where I live. The new facility will produce 2170 cylindrical battery cells for EVs. The 2170 cells is what Tesla uses for their Model 3 and Model Y. They're also going to produce lithium iron phosphate pouch-type batteries for energy storage systems, or ESS. Waymo is retiring their Chrysler Pacifica minivans and their minivans are hybrids. Um, I got an email from Waymo and here's what the email said. Hey, Bodhi, Very familiar. From powering the world's first fully autonomous service to serving tens of thousands of rides over the past six years, the Chrysler Pacifica hybrid minivan has been an important part of our Waymo one journey. But as the saying goes, all good things must come to an end. Starting April 24th, we will officially retire the Chrysler Pacifica and bring our latest vehicle platform, platform, uh, the all-electric Jaguar I-Pace operated by our fifth generation Waymo driver to Waymo 1 in the East Valley, which is where I live. You may have already seen these vehicles cruising around downtown Phoenix and Sky Harbor, So we are excited to bring the fleet to you. I actually have seen that. I won't read the rest of the email, so we can save a little bit of time. But the Waymo vans, uh, the Chrysler Pacifica minivans, are out. Uh, They're not going to be operating anymore. And they're moving to the fully electric Jaguar I-PACE on their new platform, which I'm really excited about. I will definitely take a Waymo trip. I usually go to Trader Joe's from my house because it's got a very specific (laughs) route that it takes that takes about... You know, two to three times as long to get there as if you were just to drive there straight to the store. So I will report back to you. We do have some additional information on this also, is that Waymo is planning on using uh, Zeker, which is a, it belongs to the Geely uh, family of automotive brands. They're planning on using Zeeker vehicles for autonomous driving as well. Zeeker has this really cool uh, people mover that looks like kind of like a minivan. I don't know if those Zeker vehicles will make it here to the United States or not. I I kind hope they do. I saw a few Zeker vehicles at CES and they look fantastic. Another interesting thing when it comes to Zeekr in terms of autonomous driving is they're also p- uh, partnering up with Mobileye for autonomous driving as well. So we'll keep an eye on that as we go forward. But April 24th. Sometime after that, I will take a Waymo ride, and we'll see how well it does. If you're lucky enough to own a Lucid Air, I have good news for you. Apple CarPlay is now standard on all Lucid Air vehicles. If you don't have it now, you will get an over-the-air update, so that's awesome. I think Apple CarPlay is a really cool feature. Now I have some bad news. (laughs) I'm going to be the lucid bad news bear here. Lucid is recalling 637 Lucid errors because the motor may shut down due to a power issue. Lucid said the issue is caused by uh, an electrically activated contact switch or contactors, which may unexpectedly open. When these contactors are open, power flowing to the electrical drive system is off. So that's a bad thing. And while you can't actually drive anywhere if this happens, The good news is you can still use the radio and the HVAC system if you need to. Uh, You're just not going anywhere. Lucid said that only 6% of the vehicles recalled are likely to be affected. Sounds like Lucid is using an overabundance of caution here when it comes to this recall, which I think is great. Owners will be notified or have been notified about replacing the contactors. And then there's going to have to be a small software update to also fix the issue. And then I have one more bad news story for Lucid. Lucid is laying off 18% of its workforce, which would be about 1,300 employees. So that sucks for them. Uh, My heart goes out to them. Moving on to our next story, GM is ditching Apple's CarPlay and instead is going to replace it with a Google-designed infotainment system. So GM doesn't want their infotainment system to be dependent on a cell phone, and I understand where they're going with that. I am a little bit disappointed as somebody who has a um, reservation on a Chevy Silverado EV pickup truck, but I understand why they would why they'd want to do that. Ram truck unveiled the Ram 1500 Rev a few weeks ago. We know now that Ram is working on a mid-sized EV pickup, and they showed that concept off to dealers last week. Based on the feedback from a few dealers, the response was positive. I like the idea of a mid-sized pickup truck. I certainly don't need a full-size truck for 99% of what I do, a midsize truck would be fine, so I'd be open to looking at it. I would like to point out, though, that Ram unveiled the Ram Rev at CES, and it looked amazing, unlike any other truck. I got so excited about it, and then a few weeks later, they, they unveiled the Ram 1500 Rev, which looks like every other Ram 1500 ICE truck. Um, maybe there's some small differences, but it's not a big change, so... I'm guarding my heart on this one. I'm I'm not going to get too excited because I'll just get hurt. All right, let's talk about Ford. I have uh, quite a few Ford stories, and I actually have some audio to go with it. So bear with me here. Ford made a big splash in the EV market with the Ford Mustang Mach-E and the Ford F-150 Lightning. Ford even created a new division, the Model E. Ford recently released a financial report for the Model E division that shows that (laughs) that Model E division lost $3 billion before taxes during the last two years and is expected to lose another $3 billion in 2023. Ford execs say that the Model E division should be treated as a startup and they should be profitable by 2026. This doesn't seem out of line to me, to be honest. It's expensive to build a whole new platform for an EV. Ford also rebuilt the Rouge plant in Michigan for the F-150 Lightning, and that's not cheap. And they're currently building the Blue Oval City plant in Tennessee, which is outside of Stanton. Blue Oval City is not a cheap build. Um, TechCrunch reported that it will cost over $5.6 billion for that to be built. When we listened to Ford's last earnings call, they talked about improving processes to reduce costs, and they reiterated that in the clips that I'm about to play for you. First up, we're gonna hear from John Lawler, who was on CNBC's squat box, squawk box, excuse me. John is actually Ford's CFO. So let's listen to that clip.
1: John Lawler, CFO for uh, Ford Motor Company, joining us today on a morning where you guys are reaffirming your guidance for 2023. But I think it's more what you guys are saying about the projections for the EV business, the reality of where you are in terms of how much money you're losing, where you're headed. Let, let's start first off with, with the EV business. You lost 2.1 million billion, I should say, right. last year. You're going to lose about three billion this year. You hear the chatter; there are people are saying when are you going to make money on EVs? Right. Well, it's a startup buried within Ford Motor Company. And that's why we
3: like our plan here to segment the business around three distinct customer groups, EV being one of those, our iconic ICE vehicles, and then, of course, our commercial customers. So when you look at the path for our EVs, we are losing money now, but we're a startup, we're scaling, we're developing the products, and we will share later today a bridge that shows how we're going to bring the profitability of our EV business up to that 8% EBIT margin that we committed to by 2026.
1: You, you Now, getting there, you know there are more than a few skeptics who are saying, I don't buy it. I don't think that the, pre- the cost of batteries are going to come down as much as they say they're going to come down. I don't think that they're going to be able to get the efficiencies that they're planning on How do you counter that? especially coming off of what you came off of with the fourth quarter where you surprised everybody with higher costs. Right. Well, we have an incredible team
3: working on our second and third generations of EV vehicles. And these folks have built profitable EVs in the past. So they know the game plan here. It's not just about the battery costs. It's about some simple, efficient designs of the vehicle. We are obsessed with taking the energy efficiency of the vehicle up, which allows us to put a smaller battery in the vehicle, lowers our cost costs and allows us to on that path towards
1: 8%. You know, coming off the fourth quarter, um, let's be honest, it was a mess. Uh, you surprised a lot of people by saying, look, we, we left, you know, a couple billion dollars out there that we shouldn't have left out there. Uh, and it raises the question, look, manufacturing is what you should be known for. And yet you're still talking about complexities. You're still talking about we've got costs in here that we're having trouble wringing out of the organization. Shouldn't that be a strength of Ford, not not a, a weakness?
3: Well, what's really happening for us is our push into the new businesses, EVs, that's going really well. We're on track. We're pleased with that. We do have issues in our industrial platform. We're working through those. We're focused on quality. We're focused on our cost, and we're driving that out. We know what the game plan is to fix those issues. We're on it. It's the number one priority for our leadership team. And what you will see as we go through this year and as we go over the next couple of years, you'll start to see that come through. And it's the segmentation of the business into those three segments where well, you will really start to see that clearly come through. And it will unfold differently in each. And that's important because our blue business, where we have our iconic ICE vehicles, you'll see costs coming down and we'll invest in our growth businesses of uh Uh, the pro business for commercial and in EVs. But one point there, Phil, is that that ICE business for the next couple of years in Ford Blue, that's a growth business, too.
1: It's a growth business if you can control your costs. I have to push back here on one thing, covering you guys as long as I've covered you guys. It seems like every once in a while, three or four years, this issue comes up where there are problems getting the costs out. We are just not as efficient as we should be. Why is that? with Ford. What, what is there in the DNA of this company that makes it so hard for you guys to get the level of efficiency that you should be getting? Yeah. Well, I'd say that what
3: we're as a management team, <clears throat> we're moving past awareness to acceptance and now accountability. Mm-hmm. With our three segments, there's clear accountability. Each leader of that business needs to deliver. You know, I think what happens is, is that when there's a company that knows that they have an issue and that doesn't change, there's a group within that company that benefits from that. And we're starting to get
2: to that root cause and we're changing that. Something that I talk about over and over and over again on the show is that building EVs is hard. Building anything at scale is hard. Um he did talk. John Lawler did talk a little bit about how some factions in the company, whenever you're trying something new, some faction of the company, you know, they don't want that, and there is some infighting, and that certainly happens in every company, especially really big companies. But I've worked for small places uh, where it happens at small companies as well. So there's always some sort of friction. I don't know that he answered his uh, the the interviewer's question when he said, "Why are you guys so bad at the manufacturing?" Like, there's all these costs that you could um, that you could avoid, but you you don't seem to. Every couple of years, these problems come up. I would imagine that some of that is you know they're working on a new platform, and unexpected things happen when you're working on a new platform, uh, especially with EVs. But you got to imagine that Ford is a huge company. It makes a ton of money. It's probably really hard to move that ship uh, a few degrees to the left or a few degrees to the right, depending on where you want to go. That's a big ship to have to turn around. So uh, I, I wouldn't want that job for sure. I want the pay of what Jim Farley makes, but I wouldn't want the actual job of what they have to do at the executive level at Ford. Next up, we're going to hear from Ford CEO Jim Farley. He's going to tease the T3 EV a little bit, which is the uh, truck, uh, new truck platform that they're building at Blue Blue Oval. He's not going to talk very much about it, to be honest. Don't get excited. Um, The other thing is, I don't know if, if anybody knows this or not, but Jim Farley is actually Chris Farley's cousin, like Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live. So, and they actually have a hockey player that's also a cousin, a professional hockey player that's a cousin of theirs as well. But when I, whenever I hear Jim Farley, I was like, I'm always like, he sounds so close to Chris Farley. And I looked it up and they are related. So, okay, let's listen to the clip.
1: Talk to us about that, the new truck that you teased, the T3, is this some form of autonomous super truck? What is it and when
4: does it launch? It launches in about 30 months. Uh, so just over two years, we haven't shown anyone the truck yet because we don't want to give an advantage to our comp- competition, but it is a built for tough, you know, real work vehicle, uh, but it'll have technology no one's ever seen in any of these electric trucks. You know, we're the best-selling electric truck now with the Lightning. This will be a lot better. It'll be fully software updatable. So every part we can ship software to the car over the air. Your trucks are going to get better every time you, you get in it move every morning. In fact, we think we're going to be able to land a semi-autonomous system. So you'll be able to go to your sleep, sleep in your truck while you're traveling on the highway. Uh, and it'll be, I think, the first, maybe one of the first vehicles you could do that safely in the U.S., Uh, and we think that kind of advantage is a big deal for truck customers. A lot of them work, they use their vehicle as a, as an office and to be able to do more work, bid out more jobs inside their truck while they're commuting to the work site is fantastic.
1: Jim, you know, I'm a car guy. You and I have talked about this before. You're a car guy. How how do you, how are you going to drive in a truck? So truck is going to drive by itself and you could fall asleep in it.
4: Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you're a car guy. Uh, on a sunny day on a highway, we have the technology. We're we're just finalizing it now. We took 600 engineers out of Argo, and they've been working on a a autonomous feature that, while you're on the highway on a sunny day, you know, which is a lot of miles for Americans, you'll be able to, you know, drive. We we have the most successful hands free system now. We just now need to make it even more reliable so you can take your eyes off the road, not just your hands off the steering wheel. And that technology is right around the corner and you'll be able to do that in, in this kind of truck. That's why we're making it completely software enabled. We're doing the whole electrical architecture and all the software we're bringing back in house at Ford. We've also talked in the past about your focus on making the, the automobile
1: subscription oriented in this truck. You know, well, I have to pay for heated seats. What will I have
4: to pay for every single month? <laughs> We're not going to charge a subscription for heated seats but um, but you know for productivity, it, it actually turns out we kind of know what the first three shippable software to the car is kind of like when, when we all first got our smartphones in in 09 and ten with music or email and and it is productivity. So we can now do telematics, predictive failure, driving coaching. You know, uh, even predictive failure of components on the truck. That's one thing. Productivity. The second thing is uh, partial autonomy. So that could be, you know, hands off like we offer today. Even eyes off in the future. And the third one's going to be safety and security. Like think of your Ring or your Nest at home. We're going to be able to record video. Uh, if someone takes something to the back, of the back of the bed of the truck or someone takes your vehicle, we'll be able to have the video content and get, send alerts when you go over the speed limit, whatever it is. Uh, those are the three softwares that will be able to ship to this kind of vehicle.
3: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,
2: And if my voice sounds different, it's because I started recording yesterday. I have really bad allergies because the wind's been blowing here. It's the springtime in Arizona, and I just woke up, so this is my morning voice. But Jim talks about, and he's Jim to me now, Jim talks about that the F-150 Lightning is the best-selling electric truck in the U.S., and that's probably true. I've not seen the numbers, but its competition is Rivian and Lordstown. And that's it. And Lordstown has sold, you know, maybe dozens of trucks or a dozen of, you know, trucks. And Rivian's sold, you know, a couple thousand, maybe tens of thousands at this point. So it's not like it's really that hard to be the best-selling pickup in the U.S. He mentioned over-the-air updates. And it's not just Ford that talks about this as if it's something new and, and novel. All of the automakers are talking about it, except for Tesla. Tesla's like, this is old hat. But I don't think that over-the-air updates are a selling point anymore. I think they're expected to be in the vehicle, in a new vehicle, especially if that vehicle is an electric vehicle. I think it's just expected that there's going to be over-the-air updates because Tesla has made that the norm. He talked a little bit about uh, eyes-free driving, like eyes off the road driving and sleeping. I'm very skeptical uh, that they're going to be able to get this done. I'm very skeptical that any automaker is going to be able to get this done anytime soon. Like in a real way, I understand that Mercedes is operating on level three autonomy, but it's under very strict conditions and in certain places. So I don't think this is going to be widespread anytime soon. He also mentioned that they took 600 engineers from Argo. Argo was a self driving startup that Ford invested in and then eventually shut down. Ford took that technology and those 600 engineers, and they're developing their autonomous system with them and it. At the beginning of March, we talked about Ford shutting down production of the F-150 Lightning. At that time, they also shut down reservations for the F-150 Lightning. They have now reopened reservations for the F-150 Lightning, but they didn't just reopen the reservations. They increased the prices of the F-150 Lightning as well, the starting price for the base F150 Lightning, which is the Pro, is now $61,869, which includes the destination uh, fee. The original price of the F150 Lightning Pro was around $40,000, so a $20,000 price increase on this truck in about a year and a half. Uh that's that's pretty insane. All of the F-150 Lightning models got a price bump. Ford says the increase was due to high materials cost. Our next story comes from a Reuters and Ipsos poll. 34% of Americans would consider buying an electric vehicle for their next vehicle. Here's how the political demographics are broken down. 50% of Democrats said that they would consider purchasing an EV for the next vehicle 26% of Republicans, and 27% of Independents. I can only assume that my Libertarian brothers and sisters didn't bother to answer their phone, and therefore they were not counted in this poll. 56% of those respondents polled said that they would be willing to pay more than $50,000 for an EV. 35% of respondents wanted an EV with a range of over 500 miles on a full charge. And 37% of respondents wanted a minimum of 300 miles. And honestly, based on, (laughs) I've got good news. You could buy a vehicle, an EV over 50,000 miles. The bad news is uh, we're a little unrealistic when it comes to range. Uh, 300 miles minimum, that's certainly where I would like to be. But in reality, you're you're probably not going to be there with what we have on the market today, unless you're willing to spend a lot of money or buy a Tesla. That way you get to spend over $50,000 and you get that 300-mile range that you want. Uh, bad news on the 500-mile range, however. Our next story is a nerd alert. Scientists at Lawrence Berkeley National Lab have developed a way that could allow lithium-ion batteries for electric vehicles to last longer and make them more affordable and easier to manufacture. That sounds fantastic. Fantastic scientists have developed a conductive polymer coating called HOSPFM. Here's a little quote from the article. The HOS-PFM coating conducts both electrons and ions at the same time. This ensures battery stability and high charge slash discharge rates while enhancing battery life. The coating also shows promise as a battery adhesive that could extend the lifetime of the battery of a lithium-ion battery from an average of 10 years to about 15 years. Man, I just think this technology is awesome. Uh, So fun to hear about this stuff. Let's move on to some Tesla news. The National Highway Transportation Safety Administration is investigating 50,000 Model Xs over an issue with the front seat belt. Two owners have complained that their seat belts pulled away from the seat frames. That's no good. When it comes to safety devices like seatbelts, there's a lower threshold for the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration to investigate and to issue a recall. So if you're one of those folks, uh, keep an eye on your mailbox. Tesla's hired battery manufacturing expert Matt Tyler to help them with their dry electrode process. We've Talked about this in the past. Tesla's dealing with a lot of issues when it comes to dry electrode with the 4680 battery cells. So hopefully Matt will get them all dialed in. Have you ever jumped into your car when it's cold outside? You turn the car on only to have cold air blowing on you until it finally warms up. Like all you really want is that warm air. But in order to get that warm air, you have to go through the eye of the storm and, go th- and have all that cold air like blowing on you uh it's not a it's not a it's not a nice process but eventually you get to that sweet sweet heat and you're warm and you're toasting and you forget about it until the next time that that happens to you or at least that's how i was well if you own a tesla i have good news for you tesla has a new feature called climate system warming up not the greatest name ever but it makes sure that the air is heated to your desired temperature before turning on the fans. So you may get into a cold car, but it's not going to start delivering that air until the air is warm. So at least you won't have that cold air blowing on you. I think this is a very nice feature. You can always, you know, precondition the cabin before you get in the car as well, but sometimes you forget to do that kind of thing. So this is a nice option to have in your back pocket. Tesla teased a new product on the Chinese social media app Weibo, the Cyber Vault. The font is similar to the font or exactly the same as the font for Cybertrucks. We don't know what this product is. It just shows a black background with a black cloth draped over something that looks like it's probably a rectangle. We'll know more on April 3rd, so just a few days from now. I think this is going to be an energy product, but it could also be a place for you to store your packages like Amazon packages, for all I know. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it and report back when we find out. Tesla told employees to expect that they will lose the $7,500 tax credit on their most affordable Model 3, the Model 3 standard range. The LFP batteries for that vehicle, they come from China and we should be getting some finalized guidance on the updated IRA requirements here in the United States that information should be official and in place on April 18th and we'll update you on that on the rules and requirements for the IRA closer to April 18th because these things they they change they change a lot Uh, There's also a rumor that Tesla is looking for a location in the United States to build LFP battery cells, and I think they're partnering with CATL on this, if I remember right. So this is not a coincidence, right? These two stories go together uh, like peanut butter and jelly. Tesla has some interesting job posts at the Gigafactory in Texas, And those jobs have to do with paint and the Cybertruck. Initially, we were told that the Cybertruck wasn't going to get painted. There might be a wrap available, but they weren't going to paint the Cybertruck. But there are, I don't know, five or six job listings for different positions in the Cybertruck paint shop. So we'll keep an eye on it, and I'll let you know if we hear more. German protesters have vandalized a Tesla store in Germany with paint bombs. The protesters are upset about the high water usage at Giga Berlin and the destruction of the forest areas around Giga Berlin. We have talked about this several times in this show, so we won't get too much into the weeds on what the protesters are upset about. Here is a quote from their organization. The repeated environmental violations of the U.S. corporation during the construction and expansion of the Gigafactory in Grunheide, hopefully I said that right, and the robbing of valuable water in our region are criminal. Neocolonialism during lithium mining in the Atacama Desert in Chile destroys the livelihoods of the people in the assisted areas. No more liter of water for Tesla. Obviously, this is translated, and it doesn't flow like it does in English. I don't agree with vandalizing property for any reason. I I don't think that's a good way to protest. But I do think it's important for groups, including this one, to keep big businesses and governments in check. So I wholeheartedly support someone's right to protest, especially if I don't agree with their point of view. Um, But I don't. I don't agree with the vandalism, and I, I really would rather they. They not do that, even if the paint's easily washed off. I don't know if their claims have any validity at all, but I again, I do think that it's important for them to bring these issues to light so local officials could look into it to make sure that Tesla and other companies aren't overstepping their bounds. I've mentioned Gruber Motor Company on this show a couple of times. They have a fantastic YouTube page and a TikTok presence. They are great. One of Gruber's latest videos goes into great detail about the original Tesla Roadster and their battery and what we can learn about uh, EV battery end of life from the Roadster. So the original Roadster battery had a 10-year life expectancy. Uh, The the battery pack came with over 7,000 cells in each pack, and the battery pack for those cells was actually behind the front two seats. So those original battery packs are mostly doing just fine. Like, they're not great. Those 2008 battery packs had a 200-ish mile range. Obviously, you're going to get some degrading with those battery packs. But in 2016, Tesla offered a $32,000 battery replacement with a 400-mile range. Well, that 2016 battery really never actually hit that 400-mile range. And as a matter of fact, the range degraded quickly and declined to about 200 miles overall. Pete Gruber, the owner of Gruber Motor Company, said that many roadster owners upgraded to the bigger battery pack, um, only to find out that they may have wasted $32,000. One of the signs of battery failure with this battery pack is a loss of power, And it declines to the point where the car can't even go 60 miles an hour or up any sort of significant grade. Uh, It just won't do it. Gruber found that the issue is isolated to the 2016 battery packs, like we talked about before, and these battery packs seem to be failing at the same time. I do have some good news on this. Gruber and the Tesla Roadster team are working together to find a solution, so that's awesome. But why are these 2016 battery packs failing while the 2008 battery packs are still kicking? Gruber thinks that the issue has to do with poor cell quality. So Gruber is speculating that all of the packs built between 2016 and 2019 are produced from the same cell run lot, which means all of these battery cells were produced They put them on a shelf until they're ready to go into um, the battery packs, until somebody bought a new battery pack, and these cells are just deteriorating whether they're being used or not, and they're all failing right around the same time. And Gruber is, I think, the largest uh, third-party company that works on Teslas, so they know. They, They have a lot to do with the original Tesla Roadster. They've had two warehouses or two shops burned down because of an issue with a battery pack like these gentlemen and ladies at this this company they know and they're dedicated because after the first one I would have stopped working on these cars but no they built a second shop and after the second one I would have probably said you know this is probably good but they said no and they still work on these vehicles my biggest thing if this does turn out to be a cell quality issue Tesla should probably refund those owners who purchased these battery packs, these upgraded battery packs, or they should just replace those upgraded battery packs for free. Kind of staying on the same topic here, Tesla is now offering an extended service agreement or an extended warranty, and you can buy it directly from the app. Now, here's the thing, is you can only extend your warranty if you're currently under warranty. So if your car's warranty has expired, you cannot extend the warranty. So I want, I'm want i going to read this to you, but I want you to tell me if you think this is a good deal. I'm not going to give you my opinion. Uh, my email is bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. All right, let's jump into the warranty details. The extended warranty will cover you for two years or 25,000 miles, whichever comes first. The cost of the warranty is different for each uh, vehicle. The Model 3, it'll cost you $1,800. The Model Y will will be $2,000. The Model S is $3,100. And the Model X is $3,500. Originally, I got this story from an article that I read but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna read the eight, eight page warranty agreement. So here's what I found. And this, these are just highlights It's eight pages and I only have like two paragraphs of stuff to tell you. So keep that in the in the back of your head while we're going through this. But the extended service agreement does not cover the battery, the drive unit, corrosion, storage, freight charges. So it doesn't cover any of those things. It also does not include diagnostics, wheel alignment, cleaning, suspension alignment, battery testing, or roadside assistance. You are not covered at all if you use your vehicle for commercial purposes, which includes, but is not limited to, government purposes, pickup and delivery service, company pool use, or service uh, or repairs, route work, or hauling. So if you drive for Uber or Lyft, uh, you're, you're not covered under this warranty. If a part fails when you're racing on or off road, you're doing some competitive racing, speed contests or autocross or any other purposes of the vehicle that the vehicle is not designed for, um, you're not covered. And finally, it's up to Tesla's discretion to determine if something is a failure or not. So if you disagree, then you have to go to binding arbitration. I'd like to know what you think. So you can email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com and let me know, do you think this is a good warranty or not? All right, we're rounding the bin here. We have just a few more stories left. We talked about Tesla shipping hardware for vehicles in the Model X and now they're starting with the Model S. The first time we got feedback on a hardware for enabled vehicle the owner said that full self-driving in autopilot was basically unusable. Well, since that time, which is, I think like at the beginning of the month, we've seen some significant improvements with hardware for one of the improvements is unprotected left turns. That sounds like that's doing really well. Uh, the actual overall um, viewing angle of the camera, it's, it's a wider viewing angle. The clarity is better. The resolution is better. These, Uh, Newer cameras with hardware 4 allow for more processing power and more bandwidth. Um, So overall, hardware 4 really good in that regard. Over the next couple of months, it's going to be really fun to see all of the improvements that Tesla has um, with hardware 4 and full self-driving. I can't wait to, to talk about that stuff as we find them out. Tesla is rolling out a new vision-based Park Assist system to a wider audience. The system relies solely on the car's built-in cameras for advanced driver assist system features. The vision-only technology can see and assess the car's surroundings, just like a person. The Park Assist system uses the cameras to analyze distances around the car and provide visual and audio cues for the driver to aid with parking. The system is used for guidance purposes only and is not a substitute for an aware driver. We should note, you still got to pay attention. More updates are expected and Tesla owners are encouraged to share their experiences with the Park Assist system and their updates. And if you have uh, experience with this and you want to share it with me, I would love you to do that. Apparently, the results are mixed. Some owners think this feature is fantastic, while others are saying it needs a lot of work. And you know what? Both of those things can be true. And now we come to our final story this episode. Do you remember, you know, a year and a half ago when Tesla rolled out its safety score system? And if you scored really high, like 100, then you got let into the beta system, beta program earlier. And then they dropped that number down to 99, 98, 97, and eventually got rid of it all Well, Tesla also uses that safety score system for their Tesla insurance product, which determines how much money you pay based on how safe of a driver you are. Well, Tesla's updated that safety score system to version two, and their goal is to make the scoring system more fair, because if you're a Tesla insurance customer, it it could raise or lower your rates depending on how you drive. So here are some changes added to the program. They added excessive speeding as a new safety factor. The more time you spend traveling at 85 miles or over will lead to a lower safety score. They also added unbuckled driving as a new safety factor. Time spent driving over 10 miles per hour without buckling the driver's seatbelt will lead to a lower safety score. This next one I don't really agree with. Late night driving to be risk-weighted based on when you're driving from 10 p.m. to 4 p.m. The impact of late night driving on your safety score will depend on the proportion of time spent driving in each hour from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. The impact on your safety score is now reduced Earlier in the night, increased later in the night. So here's the problem with that is what if you deliver Amazon packages between 10 p.m. and 4 p.m. because you have little kids at home and your your spouse or your partner's at home, you know, taking care of the kids. And this allows you to work at night and so that you can be home with the kids during the daytime. But I think they could use other factors to determine if somebody is driving unsafe or under the influence or whatever late at night or just driving tired. They can use other factors that they have available to them, not just a blanket. If you drive from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., we're going to uh, knock you on your safety score. It does That doesn't feel right to me. Even if you're not working late at night, maybe you're just a night owl and you want to go, you know grab a taco from Taco Bell. You shouldn't be punished for that. And one final uh, safety update here, hard braking. Before, if you were coming up to a light, like a traffic light, and it's green, and then all of a sudden it turns to yellow and you don't want to run that traffic light and you slam on your brakes, that's, that's a hard braking event. And the car will ding your safety score. Tesla will ding your safety score. Well, now it'll detect if the light is yellow and if you you know need to slam on your brakes, then uh, you're not gonna get dinged for that, or you shouldn't. What I would like to see is if you're traveling at a safe diff- distance from the car in front of you and the person in front of you slams on their brakes, requiring you to slam on your brakes, you shouldn't be dinged for hard braking then either. Or if somebody in a... A neighboring lane just cuts into your lane and then slams on the brakes because they're impatient, you should not be uh, punished for that either. So there's all sorts of different reasons why you would brake hard. And Tesla needs to start figuring out how to make those events not count against your safety score. Because in reality, at least here in the United States, If you hit somebody from behind, it's almost certainly going to be your fault. So if somebody comes into my lane, they slam on their brakes because they made an unsafe lane change, and the person in front of them slammed on their brakes, and now I have less time to react. Um, If I don't slam on my brakes hard, I could hit them, and that would end up being my fault, which in turn, as Tesla's my insurance company, they would be on the hook for paying for that. So... A lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. I'm sure Tesla will figure it out. They have smart people working there. All right, everybody. That is it. That is it for us this week. I am so happy we got through this. Um, Turns out I said that I had allergies. Turns out I might be sick. So I took uh, two naps in between this morning and when I'm finishing this right now. So yeah, this has been a uh, 25-hour recording. (laughs) I started it 25 hours ago, and I'm just now finishing it. So, yeah, I I might be sick. If you want to email me, it's bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Tesla's extended service agreement or anything that we talked about today or anything that you want to um, chat about. One person just took a snapshot of the back of an EV, and they're like, "Hey, do you know what the EV this is?" And I, I answered them, and it was short, so I apologize how short of an answer it was. I was I was in the middle of doing something, but I like that. Like if you guys see EVs in the wild and you don't, you're not sure what they are, or you just want to talk about them, send me an email. I'm I'm all for that. That's cool. I I, I felt very special. Um, you can find me on Twitter at nine one eight digital, and I hope y'all have a wonderful weekend. And I should be able to record this show on Monday, so we'll have a short show for Tuesday. All right, everybody, thank you very much. Have a great day.
0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
3: Hey, welcome to the Next Wave podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business.